I'm in Max, 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 Max. You are listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to season twenty or season twenty-six, episode twenty of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Stork. I'm Clara. And we're waiting on Claire, who is supposed to be here, and she is stuck in traffic. So, uh, in this episode of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, Andreas writes in about different PC factions, Graf writes in about world building with fantasy races, and Andreas writes in about gaming ADD. Uh, before we begin, let me just say that... Uh, in I don't want, We don't want to ignore what's been going on. Um, we are supporting... Uh, our our friends who have been uh, treated very badly for an extremely long period of time, and we hope that this will make the change that needs to happen. Is that how does that sound? Is that an agreement? Thumbs up. Okay. All right. Uh, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We have a forum, happyjacksforum.com. That's happyjacksforum.com. We're on the social medias, happyjacksrpg, all one word, all one word Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, MeWe, and we also stream the show live. Go to happyjacks.org slash live on Fridays at 7 p.m. Pacific time, 7, 18 p.m. Pacific time, and you can watch the show there. And I, I will, I'm going to keep, does one of you want to read the first email? Because I'm going to keep an eye on the thing for when Claire shows well, up. Uh, Claire is waiting to oh, be let in. She just, she just showed up. There we go. Uh, I can do it. Someone else can. Hi, Claire. Hi, Claire. Hello. I can do first email. Okay, mm-hmm. go ahead. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> uh... A question about games with, uh, with actions. Hi, Stu and crew. I just realized that one of the games I'm trying to work on would be much more interesting for the players if there were different fa- uh, factions about, around them that they could align themselves with and against. This makes me think of Vampire and naturally Stu's two, uh, Stu's two campaign. Two uh, campaigns. Right. Do you, Stu, or anyone else with that kind of experience have any suggestions on how to generate a web of factions with interlocking interests? I have in the past and found myself uh, and found my intrigues often tend to be too simple and resolve without dragging in the players um, that long plots make for a great cam- um, that long plots make for a great campaign or they have been so convoluted they lost interest and never managed to untangle even a bit of it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the matter. Cheers. Um, I think that was that read and I just biffed it. Uh, sometimes they're too simple and they're just too obvious uh, alignment or they're too convoluted and it's hard to choose an, an alignment. Yeah, some systems like Vampire, that's all baked into the system. Um, and if you're if you're dealing with a system that doesn't really have that, then you got to come up with a way to do that. Like D&D doesn't really have that. It's It may be in certain cases, and, and that led me to thinking about the fact that if you really want to do something, say you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, because it's a big dog on them, uh, the the logical thing that I would do is that form all of base base all your factions on the classes, and all of the character classes would be in different guilds. So the the fighters would be in a fighter guild, the bards would be in a bard collegium, the mages would be in different schools, and therefore they all have different interests and different education and different. Um, and different motivations going on by virtue of their class, and that would count as a faction without it being too convoluted, you know, because the fighters would learn, go to school, and learn a whole set of skills that are completely unrelated to what the bards are doing, and therefore the, but they would still be similar because they they eventually are supposedly training to save the or be in service to the empire or whatever it is you're working with. So they would have enough in common that they're not completely fighting against each other, but their classes would then dictate their faction. I That's, think you can... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> that was just my thought. Go ahead. Uh, I think you can also pull a lot from, like... Uh, I, mean, I guess first, I would say look at your, your players and, like, look at what their interests are in. If, if, you're, playing, if you're playing with people who are super lawful good um, or not, or just have a lot of that, um, it might be interesting to throw some moral ambiguity into... Um, your system, so you can and you can throw in 
things like um, people having, you know, in a rebellion or those sort of things, and that can build factions that way. Um, you can also just steal from, you know, literature or <laughs> other media. Um, and that, like, you know, Romeo and Juliet, two factions. <laughs> uh, for no, Yeah, for no particular reason either. My favorite is when, like, I, 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 my favorite is I did a game a long time ago where, like, everyone was kind of forced to pick a side and everyone thought it was this big problem and it turned out it was like two noodle houses were competing and they had the same recipe and they had thought <laughs> they'd stolen it from the other so like you can do something like that and it kind of makes things i don't know it depends on the direction you take your game and your story and what your play- players are going to want because i think that's why they would lose interest or not detangle these things there's even another spin on it which is the harry potter thing which is you sort of all divided by alignment i guess <laughs> for lack of a better term. Um, but you're all, you know, yeah, house, frat, <laughs> sorority, whatever it is, but they're, so sororities and frats are basically alignments, right? There's the evil, there's the lawful good, there's the... So, <clears throat> something like that would also work, but again, you, you'd have to sort of, if you're talking about D&D, work it into, the, into your game where they're all in a school together at different sororities. Well, I think it's also important to note that, you know, factions exist in uh, in life and they're they're all mixed in. There's not like a place where all of the you know, all the liberals come from and all the conservatives come from. Like they're all uh, they're all everywhere. So, um I think it's always interesting in terms of world building if the people from opposing factions don't necessarily aren't necessarily easy to identify um and are 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 just kind of ubiquitously everywhere because then um it it kind of it's a little more immersive as opposed to the very, like, this is a story, uh, uh, what am I trying to, trope of, you know, well, the, you know, the blues wear this and the reds wear this and we don't like, you know, we don't like that. The, when, when I, uh, <clears throat> when I started working on, uh, Vast Dominions, which is the sort of steampunk science fiction setting that I was working on, Someone had mentioned it, sent me an email wanting to have a copy of a copy of it. So I sent it to him, and I looked through it before I read this email, and I'm like, "Oh, look at that! Look at all these factions I put in here." And I realized when I was do- this was a little different because it was a historic setting. <clears throat> but I went back because this takes this takes place in like the 19 teens. So I went back through Wikipedia and I said, "What were the hot button issues at that time?" Right, women's suffrage. Um, uh, what do they call it? Uh, they didn't call it, they called it the conservation movement back then. I don't remember what they had. They, I don't remember if that was the name for it. But right around like Autobahn and all, all those things it was all happening around that around that time. So I came up with like th- I don't know three or four or five different organizations. Oh, uh, and the Temperance League, of course, and that, and that which was kind of kind of out of the same came out of the same vein as the women's suffrage movement, and. I went through and made various organizations that would exist within this world about these various things, and I made pro ones, and I made con ones, and then I also subdivided it even more and said, here's an organization that believes this, but here's an organization that believes this and thinks that killing is okay to make that happen. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I made sort of like like a, a dichotomy of where people sat on these various things in these different organizations. And I think... I think when you're trying to come up with factions, for them to be meaningful, I think you have to look at the the game world you've come up with and figure out what the problems are going to be. What are going to be the major issues? Because that's what drives people to organize. Mm-hmm. So if you have, if you have, you know, two, I don't know, colleges or two orders of mages, and they hate each other. You need to figure out why they hate each other. Not just that they're opposed to each other, but there has to be some real-world reason in that, in the context of that setting, that got these two organizations to be on opposite sides of each other. Either they, either they split and and became two separate organizations, or, or the 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 facts on the ground made them decide to organize into these two different organizations. So I think that when you're when you're trying to develop some kind of, some kind of faction system. Which I think is a really handy thing to create uh, tension anyway. I, it, I mean, if you look at almost every White Wolf book and every Onyx Path book, 
I can't think of one that doesn't have factions in it. I know Werewolf yeah, does. Of their system. Yeah, it oh, really is. A lot of that is baked in. Well, but, it's because they don't really do uh, like uh, traditional like tabletop RPG races. Right. So they kind of built it into like, I guess you're Brewer now because that's what you were as a human, but now you're a vampire. And, and However, it, that happens. That's the neat thing about it is they eat, they have tiers of of these kinds of things too, right? Because you've got on the high level, you've got the Sabbat, the Anarchs, and the Camarilla, and those are your different factions. But then within each of those organizations, you're going to have various clans that also love to fight with each other. So you have multiple levels and, and, and the, the cross stuff that can happen. It's like, oh, well, I'm Gangrel. Oh, that Gangrel over there is Sabbat. We really don't like the Sabbat, but they are Gangrel. I mean, you can see the c- conflicts that can happen both internally and externally. Do you guys ever watch Peaky Blinders? I started to. <laughs> it, it takes, it's about a, an Irish gang at the turn of the century. And, and it's all about factions, especially back then. I mean, you hung out with your, with your fellow Irishmen. You didn't talk to others. You Catholics and Protestants. The police were a gang. The Italians were a gang. The Jews had a gang. I mean, everybody was in their own little factions for a lot of different reasons. And then sometimes it was just, you know, just like West Side Story. When you're in a gang... You follow along with the gang says. Oh. You don't even think about it anymore. So gangs of New York, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and that's Peaky Blinders is a lot like that. In that there's all these little factions and strata and, and stuff within the factions, and sometimes people just do what they're told to do and don't question it because bad things happen if you question. So that's the thing about factions is that whoever's in charge has a reason, or maybe even it's, it's an old, old, ancient reason that's been around you know, so long ago that people don't even remember why they hate each other anymore, but it's still a thing. Noodles. It's, yeah. <laughs> the noodles. noodles. We hate the noodles. They stole our recipe 35 <laughs> years ago. But, uh, uh, this also... Good. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay, but, but Peaky Blinders is, is an interesting show to watch because of that. And it, plus, it takes place over time, a lot like Downton Abbey, where you follow this this gang as it was really sort of scrapping and young and just came off the boat from Ireland to a much more established businessmen as, as the seasons roll by. And it's, it's fun to watch how they, how everything, how the world changed around them and how they adapted and how they became like legitimate. <laughs> nice. Okay. Uh, there's also something to be said uh, with in player engagement when it comes to things like factions, uh, giving them a reason to even want to engage uh, whether that's because the factions already align with their own uh, ideals or if, you know, maybe they're presenting it in a way that seems really appealing and uh, they happen to do the players a good turn. So, like, you know, the you know anti-magic league just happens to get your players out of a, out of a you know, tight situation. And so they're like, oh, yeah, we'll help you out in return. And then they realize, you know, this is what's going on. Um uh, but I, I think also it's sort of important to make sure, like, to have factions that people can choose to be part of, rather than, like, leaning to something they have no control over. Boy like that, he killed your brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I mean, I was just thinking, because you, you mentioned, I mean, a lot of the gangs from Gangs of New York and from Peaky Blinders, I assume, a lot of that's provincialism, right? It's like, you're from this neighborhood, you're from this religion, you're from this area, you're from the, this group of people, so therefore you belong to this faction. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I liked, and I've never played it, but New World of Darkness Vampire basically has like two different levels of factions. Because there's your there's your clans, but then there's other I don't know sects I think they call paths. them. Hmm. There's um. Are you talking about the paths? No. Or are you talking about the the religion that they have? Yes. Going in? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sects? I don't remember what I it's they called, called in the when we're I don't remember. Me, but but the, but I, I like the fact that that makes it even more complex. Because there's like okay, because if you're you make a character and you're a gangrel, you're a gangrel and you're not leaving the clan. I mean, you can try, but you're still going to be a gangrel. Right, so yeah. you have that, but right. then there's this other thing you can like pick. Oh, I want to be one of these guys in Kanu, or I don't even remember what they were now. But they had so so there was sort of and if there's more than one, and you and you either suggest or compel the players to take two, then you have that opportunity of having their two alliances getting to cross paths. Where it's like, oh, I'm supposed to do this thing for this group I belong to, but I also belong to this group, and they would certainly wouldn't want me doing that. You know what I'm talking about? The sort of conflicts that could happen internally, I think, would be the interesting as well. Go, go watch The Godfather. 
one, two, and three, and it touches talks, talks on all of that. You know, the death of the of the patriarchy and the changing of the times and uh, the factions and power struggles in between the whole, in between the family. It's yeah, it's an old story. I mean, Romeo and Juliet, same kind of thing. But it's it is interesting. I think it's important though to remember that in these modern times, a lot of people don't like to be forced into making choices, even even that you that you uh, is that what you were going to say? No, I Go wanted ahead. to point to you, but I have no idea where you are on the screen. Point up. <laughs> point directly up. There you go. <clears throat> this. Well, yeah, that, you're pointing at Stu for me. That's, yeah. that's me, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you, you, have to, you also have to honor the fact that some people aren't joiners, and maybe their characters aren't joiners, and so they may be throwing wrenches into your faction works all the time, and that has consequences as well. I'm actually playing a game right now with um, uh, the City of Towers game that that uh, um, that Jason. I'm in. Um, yeah, Jason. <laughs> I, know his, I, I know his handle. It's probably okay. Um, it's probably fine. Um, anyway, um, so Jason is running the game, and he uh, put in a. Um, so we we played uh, Kimmy's Decima. Um, at the beginning and you know one of my questions was you idolize somebody in the area who is it and we decided since we're playing in the the world of Eberron that it would be one of somebody from one of the dragonborn houses and you know so I just loved everything to do with this dragonborn house kind of like some people follow royals I follow this dragonborn family and um, we are now currently on a quest to embarrass that family because the character I play is also a changeling, and um, the dragon. Uh, and there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, people that don't like changelings in that world, and there's also a lot of people that don't like this other race. And so, like by play, even though my character really likes that family and is not a joiner, like she, they are very much a um, a rogue like I, I go where the money is like they still have that internal logic of if it's against something that I believe in I'm still going to fight it and I think that if your characters are kind of rich that way you can play on those kinds of internal biases and uh, judgments that the characters have as well mm-hmm. absolutely it would be fun in some games to have you know, the family come over and go, Oh, there's a stone in my shoe, uh, and I need you to help me remove it. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, if you don't, there will be consequences. You know, it's, it's, uh, I know, it's the worst <laughs> uh, godfather no, edition ever. But on this the day, going. on this the going. day of your daughter's wedding. On this the day of your daughter's wedding. Come put the towel that helps. But, uh, you know, and they can compel you. You know, it's like your your daughter could be, you know, threatened, or you could be threatened uh, if you don't follow along or, and tote the line. And that happened all the time in mafiosa families. You know, there's a, I think it's a godfather, he goes, every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Sorry, something like you said, Frau Bruchar. <laughs> Alright, thank you uh, Andreas for the email, we appreciate it And uh, the next email is World Building with Fantasy Races from Graf Who would like to read this? Well, this kind of intersects with what we just did I'll, I'll get started, Okay, sure, why not All the emails are short this time <laughs> not, like last, not like the last episode This one is long This is it not long This is not a long email what you kids today? Yeah, you're new. You you didn't read a whole Jim email back in the day. Four, I request this email four pages. In, I request this email in tweet form <laughs> or TikTok. <laughs> I would like it in TikTok form, please. This email makes it on the show. You may drink whenever you like, presuming it brings you joy. And we also restrict your imbibement. Imbibement. Oh, my drink is all the way up there. And we also we also used to read seven to nine emails an episode. Now we yes. only do three. <laughs> the show's episodes used to go three hours. <laughs> Claire remembers remember those that. days. I think we had a four-hour episode once. Yeah, I think I was on that episode. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Uh, many players, especially GMs, write their own settings, create homebrew rules, and some put them out on the internet, or gasp, <gasps> even publish them. 
I'm in the process myself again and cannot help but question the common standards of the genres I'm world building for. A hang-up I myself have not found many answers for are the plethora of different races in high fantasy. In any good literary fiction work, the different elements serve a uh, function for the story. I believe the same is true for RPGs, as they are fundamentally about telling stories as well. One of the process is very different. An obvious function is to create a quote-unquote sense of wonder. This has been central to hundreds of years, from Mediterranean myth, Chaucer's tales, up to Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Another one is to create a challenge for the hero, which cannot be overcome by ordinary people. Hercules bats the Hydra, Beowulf bats Grendel, and even today, heroes delve into dungeons to kill dragons. In both cases, the fantastic race or monster fulfills a role as the other, in quotes. That's actually interesting. Uh, be it as down-to-earth but violent orcs, wise but aloof elves, or majestic but dangerous dragons. These evergreen themes have, uh, get lost, though, when RPGs do one thing. Make fantasy races and creatures into playable characters. It would not be good for a story if a monster's creature beats itself up on its own. But then, fantastic races fight against monsters, so the former usually devolve into stand-ins for humans. Due to the unavoidable, ru unavoidable rule sets, RPGs are fundamentally written as quote-unquote hard systems, not quote-unquote soft systems, which is necessary for a sense of wonder, at least to a high degree. Side note, I borrow Brandon Sanderson's lingo here, and I assume most listeners are somewhat familiar. If not, his YouTube is an awesome resource for world-building and character design. I was not aware that he did that. I should probably check some of that out since I have all this time these days. <laughs> we all know how mundane and atmospheric um, okay, I'll, st I'll start that sentence again. We all know how mundane the atmosphere can become when players know the stat blocks of everything that they talk to or fight with. There is not much left to wonder about even or when every player knows how large elves usually grow, how their culture works, how many points they are better at magic than everyone else, and how their damn sleep cycle works. Detail <laughs> is the death of any wonder. So, while it is pretty rad, it is a pretty rad idea to invade pre-Norman conquest Europe with dimension-hopping orcs. I ask myself if the same stories could not be told instead of orcs with humans for a very from a very different culture, as long as they can be identified as the other. To a degree, I do not see why not. Therefore, my question to you all: What benefits does the inclusion of playable fantasy races in RPG settings and rules even have, in your opinion? Why should I include or leave them out? Any reasons for choosing one or the other in your systems, in your settings, will be appreciated as well. Best of wishes mm. from Germany. Stay healthy. Graph on the forum. Mm. Um, okay. Brings up some interesting points. I I, um, I ran a lot of fantasy games where I said you can, you can only play humans. I preface <laughs> this by saying that Tolkien casts a really long shadow, and it it affects everything from from role playing games to. Uh, fantasy literature, and it's really hard to escape that shadow. It's still sort of baked into it. We don't even consciously know that we're emulating Tolkien, but we do uh, at all turns. And I think he he brings up an interesting question, which is what if our fantasy weren't based on Tolkien? What what it, what would our fantasy look like if Tolkien wasn't around anymore and never even appeared? You know, would we? I did. What an orc was. This was my minor in college. <laughs> 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 so. Um, I guess uh, I'm trying to figure out like the best order in which to say the things I want to say. Uh, so the first being good, uh, like my my blanket advice on this is going to be, um, you're right. What if like like what a, it can you change things on their head? Um, yes. No one is forcing you to play D and D or any other tabletop the way the book says. I'm gonna get in so much trouble for this. No, you're but not, not but, like, here. <clears throat> nobody. <laughs> Like, if your players are having fun, fuck the rules. Yeah. Like, uh, go listen to... Hear, hear. <laughs> go listen to Changeling the Dreaming, and that is... Ad Adam says it himself. He's like, I play Changeling the way you're supposed to play Fate, I guess. Or, or a TV <laughs> Like, don't... Like, like, there's no reason that you should be held back by the idea that, like, oh, well, I guess the book says that elves can only grow to, what, 5'7"? Fuck it. Um, but also, yeah, I like the rule that uh, DMs don't. don't uh, DMs aren't gods. They tell gods what to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
uh, do yourself a favor and pull, like, look at non-Western literature if you're curious about other kinds of creatures in folklore. Uh, A Thousand and One Arabian Nights is a really good place to start. That's pretty easy to find. Uh, Anything that comes from Japan at this point. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's, you can find, in fact, even just, like, if you want to stick to Western, rifle through your bi- uh, through the Bible and the Extended Uh-oh. Universe Bible books because they're fascinating. Yes, I lost it. I used the wrong term. Um, the extended Universe through, like, Bible books. books. You mean the New Testament? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry. I, I mix a very strong drink. Um, but like, I mean, like if you look through Jewish folklore, if you look through like um, Muslim folklore, you're gonna find a lot of interesting creatures and things that can be used as stand-ins. My favorite being golems from uh, Jewish folklore, because I love me golems. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, It's a a book that kids, did you read it? I haven't. It's been recommended multiple times. It's about comic book artists. There's all sorts of game systems out there that aren't D&D, that aren't Tolkien-based. I mean, the Simbarum is is one that sort of deals with Eastern European. There's... um, there's a lot of Japanese flavored stuff. There's, but ultimately, when you when we play fantasy these days, everybody defaults to elves, dwarves, gnomes, humans, orcs, goblins, and that's all. I mean, they can reskin them and rename them. I mean, even uh, Thomas Covenant the Unbeliever series had a goblin orc stand-in called the Ervils or Ervils. Right. Uh, they're still, no matter what you call them, they're still there. But an interesting thing to do is to try to come up with something that's not like that. You know, um, some of my favorite novels are written by Eli Mozart, and he has, they're all humans. But some of the humans have been isolated for so long, and some of them are, are older than others, but they're all flavors of humans, and they all have different faction ideals, and some of them even have different powers. So it can be done and still be interesting. Sure. But we, but somehow, because, because we're all still, Tolkien has ingrained us all that we still default to, the elves live in the woods, and they're magical. Well, I mean, one of the points <clears throat> that, that, He's talking about is the fact that these races shouldn't be playable because of, because that is one of the things that sort of diffuses the wonder of the, of the, the sort of the exploratory adventure where you go out and discover strange new things and new people, oh, right? And if you think about it, even Tolkien, he that except the hobbits are the player characters. Yeah. For the most part, everything else is yeah. an, is is not a player character. If you th- if you think you're about it, you're supposed to fe- you're supposed to feel that too. You're supposed to right. feel like a hobbit, so that you feel small and helpless, and like this big, huge thing is happening around you that you have no control over. And he never says, "Oh, this is what Elrond is thinking." I mean, right. those kind of things never happen. You don't know that he acts mysteriously, and you don't understand what he's doing because you ne- you're never given the insight. Without context, yeah, right. Um, he did. So one of the things that I'm doing is I'm running a, um, a five, uh, five E edition, uh, game in my household and they have, so they have, they've divided the races into all kinds of things. But what I said was, you know, these are the races that are quote unquote normal. And these are the races that are unusual. So you can play any of the races in the book, but all of these races, are, you know, these races are either secular or insular or, you know, or they're, or they're solitary. You're not going to see them in a city. So if you want to play this race, you have to give me a really good reason as to why you're there in the city. Like, if you want to play a drow, you have to give me a backstory that doesn't sound like Ari Salvatore. You know? <laughs> but I've got two Thord. <laughs> if you look at uh, Robert E. Howard's um, books... Yes, they're a product of the time, and they're probably not real uh, woke. No, they're not. But all of the people in them are humans. Some of them are have been have devolved into almost Neanderthals. Some of them have lived for centuries, and they're ancient through magic. Uh, some of them are just from different continents and have a whole different um, uh, lifestyles and structures and religious beliefs and stuff. But they're all humans. The things that aren't humans are the monsters and such. And there's all kinds of monsters, but. They're ostensibly not playable races. You just run into various flavors of human throughout the Robert E. Howard universe. And they're just as interesting as having an orc, you know? Whether it's a devolved human or whether it's a, a, a really ancient human, they can 
represent, I don't want to say represent an elf, but they, they kind of, you don't need an elf when you have a human that can do that too. You know? Oh, I fall, I fall on built a system where I just like <laughs> converted the race of like, I was like, all right, these are the, these are the orc style, but they were all mermaids. And I was like, this is the orc style mermaid. This is the, this, like, I just converted the stats. Cause the reason that you play that, like anyone picks races in games, I feel like, let me rephrase that. One of the reasons one could pick a race in a game is for the stats. Um, if you listen to the Happy Jacks um, podcast a while back, they did um, with a round table of POC gamers. They talk a little about some of those situ- uh, some of that stuff. Um, and so I'm going to let them say that more, uh, let that restate a lot of the issues I have with just race and stats in games. But um, I will say that the reason that you should, like, I, I feel like the email, uh, graphs brings up a little bit of like, hey, uh, why should you be allowed to play a different race, period? And the answer is, um, fun, I guess. I am forced to be a person a lot of the time, and I don't like it. So when I can, I would like to be a magical creature. Um, and also there's a lot of, there's a lot of studies that show that our role play especially builds empathy. And so it is sort of nice to be able to step into the shoes of, even if it's just a, uh, even if it's a power fantasy, stepping into the shoes of someone who isn't you for a little while and learn those struggles or those successes. So keep it like, no matter how you do it, it is worth playing races, especially if you think about it, being allowed to play monstrous races and yeah. You know, <laughs> as you're talking to it, it, it harkened on another thing, which too is if you get rid of all the races, and this is you know, this, uh, anyway, if you get rid of them all, it gets rid of power gamers because, and it gets rid of min maxers because they're no longer like building. No, it does not get rid of power gamers. <laughs> <laughs> don't figure well, some other way to fuck things up. Because I'm an elf, and humans don't get that, and then I get a I get a charisma bonus. They'll figure out another way. You don't worry. <laughs> you don't worry system. about them. They'll figure out how to fuck your game I'll over. <laughs> As a min-maxer, I take offense to that. <laughs> As a DM, we want you to. story. <laughs> <laughs> You're all fucking humans, and you all start with the same stats. Now go. Here's your starting <laughs> kit. Yes. <laughs> so, so, you may pick your weapon and your outfit. <laughs> so what, what do you guys think about monsters as, player, as player, playable characters? Do it. I mean, yeah. yeah sure. it, it, it depends on the game because if everybody's a human and you're a dragon. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's that's definitely like if they're obviously if they're overpowered um then no, don't do that. But if they're like an awakened skeleton or, you know, a, a you particularly know, smart kobold. A particularly smart kobold <laughs> with an intelligence of ten. That's still smart enough to be a player character. Yes. So, like, I I, th- I think it's it can make for a more interesting campaign if you start to see the other as less othered. If that's a, you know what I mean, like it, it's more nuanced. Right. So, and then you can go back to making factions instead because it turns out <laughs> the other bad guys are the bad guys, and you can find out why, and come up with diplomatic solutions. Maybe. Um, or fight them. Yeah. Dipl- I also, diplomatic solutions, that never happens. Take their treasure. I also pitched to Stork before this started that I wanted to play a sentient hat riding a human. <laughs> like a human puppet. So like, whatever game is happening next, that's the character I'm playing. Yeah, and I remember, yeah. there's a movie, I think it's Meet the Robinsons, right? Where I was just about to say that. Right. The, the hat is... Spoilers, if you haven't no seen it. No more Meet the Robinsons for you. <laughs> <laughs> you failed! That's what we should shout every time you roll a one. You failed! Oh, you're going to be hoarse by the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I had four dice the other day, and I rolled all blanks. It was like, it's, it's one of the symbols, one of the vampire dice, and they were all just blanks on them. I'm like, out of four dice, still couldn't hit it. I would pour one out for my fallen comrades, but this is soda and carpet, so I'm going to do that. <laughs> what what old lady did you piss off in a former life that she cursed you like this? I've always wondered. <laughs> like, you're a nice guy. You don't know that. You don't know that. <laughs> You're a nice person to me. <laughs> and that's all that matters. Fair enough. 
Uh, there's plenty of people out there that would disagree with you that I'm a nice guy, but whatever. <laughs> Bobcat said, a portion of player characters already behave like monsters. <laughs> Valid. Valid. Is, it, is there a correlation between the players behaving like monsters and their characters behaving like monsters? Right. There's a there's a uh, meme there somewhere. Like, you know, the person's like, we... <laughs> I don't want to play a, an orc. They're they're mean and vicious. And then the next frame is you know torturing the. Tell us everything you know. <laughs> right. I was, like, I was just doing it in character. Right. <laughs> it's just what my character would do. Right. All right. Who would like to read gaming add from Andreas? Is this the same Andreas? I, no, <laughs> Andreas got two emails in the same in the same uh, show. That's one. I will read this one. Hi, Jackers. <laughs> A conundrum. Um, Like so many these days, I have been very focused on online gaming. I have decided I want to run a game, so I take down one that strikes my fancy. I start to read and take notes on potential adventure ideas. Then I listen to a podcast with a really cool AP, and suddenly I want to play that game instead. No longer after that, not longer after that, having come to the not taking state again, I decide I need some bedtime reading and take down a new game. Guess what? Uh, Kate. Can you guess what happens then? Yeah. So far, I have yet to get any of these games started. What should I do? Is it an inherent psychological flaw, a mm-hmm. sling of gaming ADD, or is it my problem I own far too many interesting games? Any suggestions on how to actually get to the starting blocks? Have you had this experience yourselves? I hope you are all well and stay safe. Drink! Cheers. Common problem. I, finish mm-hmm. I was just telling Sue <clears throat> when we started, too. It's like, when Kickstarter first came out, there were all these options, and I, I kickstarted all these games. In fact, another one just showed up, and I'm like, and I'm never gonna play them. No, I, I like them, and they're neat, and, and oftentimes I read them for ideas and stuff, but I'm never gonna run them. I mean, it, it takes me a long time to master a game system, and after a while, it's like I don't want to start all over again. It's like learning multiple instruments. It's like. I know how to play guitar, and I know how to play mandolin, and I play a little bit of piano. I'm not going to start on woodwinds, and I'm not going to start on tra- brass. Why? It's I too much really work. attacked. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like Sarah, a... I was going to say... How many, how many instruments are in your bedroom currently? Different types of instruments. You can't just count you, all the recorders. Do you count vibraslap? That's not an issue. That's percussion. I, that's that's for monkeys. That's not people don't play. Yeah. I <laughs> that's like a didgeridoo. That's a didgeridoo. I was gonna say no. six. Quiet you. <clears throat> um, but I, I was gonna say, do you master game systems before you run them? Clearly, I don't. <laughs> but <laughs> but I feel like I at least should let the players. You know, I should at least have a clue, right? And at some point, it just it's like, why would I? Why would I run this in RuneQuest when I could just run it in D anD D? Or run it in Savage Worlds, or because those I'm already familiar with enough that I don't have to. You know, and, and is it that much different? Um, I, I just after a while, I, I just I got overloaded, and I, I'm like, I'm never really going to do this. If I want to do a one shot about wolves, then I'll run the system that's designed that I bought that's about wolves. But I don't see I'm going to do that. See, it's I don't, not I don't go to Kickstarter when I'm drunk anymore. So it's like <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, I have so many games that I purchased because of Kickstarter. Yeah, and you just you you go and you read the story and you want to support the people that are making the game and it's like this is great. I'm gonna I'm gonna start this and you get it and you're like, oh yeah, I bought this six months ago. Yeah, yeah. You know what? This is cra- this is crazy. This is absolute craziness. What stamp collector do you think sits at home anguishing over the fact? Oh my god! I should really lick that stamp and put it on an envelope. None of them. Different You're collecting. Different it's things. fine to just collect. But games exist to be played. Stamps like, exist I to move letters. Like, I, I collected comic books for a long time too, and I collected them because I wanted to read them. And then I'm like, well, I might as well hold on to them. But I really wanted to read them first. Right. I didn't. I was not one of those guys that bought them because it, they were collectible. I bought them because I was into into the story arc and into the stories, and then just held on to them. So it's that way with games for me. You buy them because you want to read them, not because you're collecting. Ooh, I gotta have the next edition. I'm never gonna play it. It's just gonna sit here. But and I buy them with every intention of <clears throat> at least reading them. It's not like you're not getting anything out of them. You are. I mean, you are. That you're going to read through it and you go, "Oh, that's a really. Those are really interesting GM tips." Or look, that that's a really interesting way of handling you don't damage. Them anymore, Stu. That's the. That's oh, well, where then, I'm coming from. Then you're well, you just collecting. Now. Then you're just collecting. 
I stopped. The, the, I was going to say, nothing has ruined my bank account more than uh, drive through RPG, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, because do you, know how, do you know how many Magical Girl games actually exist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and as far as, like, how do you get other... Um, as far as answering the actual question, which is, like, how do I do? The answer is, don't feel bad if you don't. And two... <laughs> if anyone had the solution to getting a game grip together consistently once you had the game designed polyamory like, yeah, there's no polygamory yeah polygamory it doesn't work Claire <laughs> <laughs> but yeah if anyone had that solution like we wouldn't be ha- we wouldn't have a podcast anymore I assumed well I can tell you if you if you want to, if you you're interested in playing a game and you want to play the game, and you're afraid that you're going to like go, oh look shiny and 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 go off on something else, organize the goddamn game. Get the players you're going to have. Figure out what night of the week you're going to fucking play and get a goddamn start date and say we're going to start playing this game on this date. I need characters by here. Yeah, and, and then it, you're committed. It galvanizes you as the GM too because there's nothing like. There's nothing like a hard out or a hard to date. Yeah. To get together. I mean, that, I mean, yeah. here, here it's a little different because Kimmy will say, okay, what game are you going to run next? I'm like, uh, I'm thinking about running maybe Call of Cthulhu. Okay. Well, then it's like, oh, fuck. I guess I'm running Call of Cthulhu. And I, at <laughs> that point, I'm done, right? Yeah. So it's like, I'm going to get the book out and better read the fucking thing. But, uh, I mean, if you could make it, make that commitment and involve other people in it, I think you're more likely, unless you're a real asshole. To, to follow through. Um, I have the problem with getting the people on board. Well, that's Something it. That's, that I, that's, part, that's part of the problem, yeah. Something else that I did with my game that didn't have, like, you know, a weekly show or whatever is before we did experience, so before everybody's checked out, I'd say, okay, that's game. When are we meeting next? And we'd all get out our calendars and we'd all get out our phones and I'd make an event and invite invite everybody, you know, put it in the Facebook group and be like, okay, this is our next date. Your characters are about to level up. Please have them leveled up by this date and submit it to me so I can say no or that's fine or right. gosh, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> but, what does that spell do? I better look that what up. Is, that, <laughs> is this going to break my game shit? <laughs> <laughs> and sticking with the, the music analogy, I mean, nothing galvanizes a music group more than knowing you have a gig. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, Absolutely. All the solos get memorized and suddenly all of the all of the, 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 the bazooki parts that you were faking get studied yeah. and all of the words that you were just glossing over <laughs> get looked at. Hold up, Eric, <laughs> and the rest of us, please, Stork, we yeah. can add it at. But I also know this about myself, too. It's like, the only reason I learned to play recorder is because I knew I had to do it for a show. That's right. And, and, and that's really, like, that's me. If I don't have a deadline, I won't do it. I'll just noodle around and, oh, I got close enough and it's satisfying. But if I, like, you need to have the guitar memorized for this gig, I'll memorize it. Learn to play guitar. I will. But if it's my own devices, not gonna happen. Yeah, when Sue said he was leaving the wives, I was like, shit, I better learn position. <laughs> There's nothing like the fear of sucking on stage to really galvanize you to wanting to learn to get your shit together. Yep. It's like 10 million times worse, too, when you're recording, uh, when it's like, hey, we're recording the album, and you're like, I should learn the words to the song. I really, have I been singing it wrong this whole time? Mm, yeah. That, that, that yeah. is not my experience. So I would say... Uh, now I'm really <laughs> So I would say if you want the fear of God as a GM, sign up to run a table at a local convention. Yep. Boom! Oh there you go, right yes. there. You're there you go, right. for strangers. It really does work, you know? Oh my god. And, and, and it's just like memorizing different systems too. That's that's it. If you're like, if you really want to learn quest, sign up to run a RuneQuest game at the con. If you want to learn mm-hmm. to play trumpet, make sure you schedule yourself a gig where you're playing trumpet and you'll learn it. I was supposed to have a game for a convention right after this show, and it got canceled two days ago. Oh no! So like, I was super prepared. I was like, I guess I got to learn how to GM again. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, and because I think just like memorizing and running a new system, it's work, right? And, and just like learning a new instrument, it's work. Yeah. And if you don't have to rehearse, you you don't. You know, you get close. You're like, ah, oh, right, well, I'll just I'll figure it out when we get rehearsals again. But if you left your own devices. You're like, 
It's just a lot of work. Oh yeah, you yeah. should you should see how much how much dust is on my viola. <laughs> you have viola? You, have, you bet. Left handed and everything. I can almost play a scale that doesn't sound like a cat in heat. Stu's a multi multi instrumentalist. You Not play really. Guitar, bazooki, and those are all stringed bass. instruments. Oh well. Those are all string plucked stringed instruments. Yeah. It's not that much. It's just learning different chords. I mean, bass is different. Especially upright. Fuck upright bass. But Claire plays... You play bazooki, <laughs> piano, guitar... Uh, guitar mandolin. is... Mandolin. I play... Yeah, bazooki, guitar, bass, mandolin... Well, bazooki um, and mandolin are the know. same. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, they're close. Though. They're close. You can't... Well, you're... Okay, so you can't... Stretch to make chords the way that you make them on a mandolin on a bazooki, unless you have yeah. stew hands, which I do not have. <laughs> and you can't squish your hands to make bazooki chords That's into true. mandolin chords. So you have so like there's there is a learning curve switching yeah. from one to the other. But yeah, I play I a few things. Ones. It's probably very similar to the difference between playing uh, 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 electric bass and playing an upright bass. Yes, it is exactly like that. It's just a different it physicality. Exactly like same same theory, but different physicality. Yeah, and you have to... Like, if you have one in your muscle memory, <laughs> good luck. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, okay, so that's... The, bringing back to games, because I remember back in the day when there were new games coming out all the time, we, we would start mixing up our rules. It's the, the polygamery. Sometimes you forget who you're talking to and which rules apply to which person. So it's occasionally your Dragon Quest rules might creep into your Rune Quest rules. So oh, yeah. uh, if, if there is a problem if you have too many game systems. You start to get really confused about what you want to do, and then eventually everything becomes a homebrew. Well, and that's why you it's important to set down a table rule. Like, at the beginning, say, either, if I say a rule and I'm wrong you know just write it down and tell me later so we can keep the immersive quality or if I say a rule and I'm wrong and you know it please let me know so we don't play incorrectly right and those are two very different philosophies but it's important that you communicate which you are to your table right right yeah, yeah. we're gonna play this rules as written or are we just gonna have fun mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was gonna say another really good uh, suggestion for just getting your fucking game group together is like um one of the game groups I'm in runs on a quorum system, so uh, we have a pool of seven, eight players that can play, and, uh, well, we have a pool of seven or eight players, and then if we get three, we play every other Friday. So there's this... Nice. Um, so we've had... it's descent, We're doing Descent into Avernus, which is the um, D, uh, D&D module, so it kind of, like a lot of it doesn't hinge on character, which is helpful, but it means that there are going to be weeks when I can't show up, but I'm like, well, I guess I'm just not playing today, and I'll catch up on the story the next game. And we just sort of hand wave away where the character was. It just yeah, that was a revelation it. to yeah. me with Stu. That's what I did that in the first D and D game I ran, oh, the fourth mind. edition. Because <laughs> we used to like jump through so many hoops to like figure out where that other player went. It's just like they're just not there. They're not You're there. Like, but- but They've never been there, except there. except when they, they show, they, except they, next they, week, then they've always been there. The <laughs> no, it doesn't. We are always like Strider is off in the next town uh, working on something, and it's like Strider just isn't there today, and nobody yeah. cares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're in the ninth level. Answer. Sure, you're in the ninth level of a dungeon, but he's just not there. He <laughs> had he had to go. You be back. I had a, D- a GM that would actually award experience for the most ridiculous explanation of what happened to you. That's funny. I yeah. like that. I like that. Like, I had one um, one guy that <laughs> decided, oh, I failed my constitution roll, so the fear effect took me, so I screamed for two hours until I threw up, and then I decided I wanted to clean it up, so then I had to go find a broom closet. And he tells this whole story <laughs> that takes, like, ten minutes I'm like, just take your hundred XP. Shut up. Let's get back to combat. When I ran, when I ran GURPS in college, of course, this was in college. It's like, where's where's so and so's character? Oh, he's in the corner. He has diarrhea. He can't fight. <laughs> As the victim of that excuse, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> if you've ever had really bad diarrhea, it's a good excuse. It is. You don't want to get into a fight when you, you have bad. You diarrhea. don't want me in combat. <laughs> Now. Really don't. <laughs> or maybe you too. <laughs> maybe you want me on the other side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get into a fight with someone. Now. What is wrong with you? Everyone's slipping all over the place. <laughs> 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 
All right. Oh my god, I'm sorry. I just looked at the chat. Oh no. I cast explosive diarrhea. Thanks, Eric Odd. Yep. <laughs> Eric, you're perfect. All right. Yeah. The uh, but yeah, like a quorum system works really well to get just like the weird part is we've never we've had p- games with only three people playing, but we've most we've always had them almost always had the max because there's something about knowing it's going to happen and that you really can't get out of it that kind of makes you want to go. So yeah. It's helpful. Or start a podcast, because apparently that's how I get game groups to happen now. Starting a podcast, get make, make sure that you spend plenty of time on games. <laughs> also, because you know there's people watching, you make sure that you show up and do the game, too. Right. A lot of people will be like, I don't feel good today, I'm not going to game. And it's like, nope, you're on, you're on a podcast. People are, people are tuning in. Eric Odd's on fire. I cast summon excremental. <laughs> <laughs> Is it people an, an excremental that needs an to be made up into a monster. An excremental. It, well, instead of a mud golem, it's an excremental. Oh, what's it? What is it? Golgotham. What's the thing from? Uh, oh, was it the Golgotham? That was the, sh- the giant shit it's from monster, Dogma, right? No, it's um, fr- it's from yeah, from Dogma. Yeah, uh, I think it was a Golgotham. I think it was called a Golgotham. Golgotha was oh, that was where it came that, came from. Golgotha was the hill where people were <clears throat> right. Uh, Golgothin. Golgothin is what it's called. G O L G O T H A N. Oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, the shit demon. The shit demon. I literally looked up Dogma Shit Monster on Google, and that's what it came up. That's right. <clears throat> I missed that movie. I need to go watch that movie again. Is it available streaming anywhere? I'm sure it's Kevin Smith.net. Go to canistream.it. <laughs> that that never works for me. Oh, really? There's another one, justwatch.com, that works. Oh, really? I just Google it. I just, like, is something available on streaming? Yeah. Dogma. Holy shit. I don't remember this in Dogma. I haven't seen Dogma the in a very monster? long time. That's the one that comes out of the bathroom toilet? As opposed to the, you know, the kitchen toilet? Yeah, it comes out of the bathroom. <laughs> Toilet. I'm starting to notice a trend when I do these the advice show, and that is you always bring up a show, a movie I, I haven't seen either ever or like since I was like in high school. Well, so now I'm just. But Claire, oh, oh, and you're young, so you you don't understand. I mean, he and I were out of college by the time you were born. That is true. <laughs> Wait, I got nothing. Yeah, <laughs> that's not quite true for me, but. By the time I was in high school, you guys were both out of college. Oh, here's a quote. Here's here's Kevin Smith's tweet from 2019. Dogma is personally owned by Bob and Harvey Weinstein, who bought the film from Disney in 1999 and licensed it to Lionsgate for theatrical and then Sony for home video. But those deals predated streaming and have lapsed. Bummer, as as 2019 is the 20th anniversary of our release. So that it is not on streaming services. At least it wasn't in August of 2019. It's not. It's uh, according to my, again, my Googles. So you have to buy it. Well, that's a shame. What would it... Well, you just got to go to a yard sale where somebody's dumping all their old gaming books. You could probably find a copy of the DVD of Dogma. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We should probably call this. Oh, probably. All right. Uh, we're talking about shit demons. <laughs> <laughs> right. Listen, you yeah, can make don't... a golem out of anything. Right, Claire? That you, is can cool. you can make yeah. a golem out of anything. Why not? We are Fonzie jumping the shark. Right. Anything uh, in the anime. Is that Bob over your shoulders, too? <laughs> Bob the Skull, yeah. I want to put little yellow eye lights in his in his eyes. Oh, that'd be fun. <clears throat> Kimmy be, thinks I'll ruin it by trying to do that. You might know an artist who could paint some runes and shit on there, too, for you. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. That would, it, sure he loves being Next time you're around, I'll give I'm this sure to you. I'm Matt. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, the thing. Here we go. Stop. Oh, wrong one. Thank you for joining us for season 26, episode 20 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Stork. I'm Clara. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Okay, one of you go first. One, two, three, go. I'm Claire. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Clara. 
and thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week at 7.05 p.m. Pacific time next Friday at happyjacks.org slash live. Until then, stay safe, and we will see you in a week. And we got, I think we have, there might be APs this weekend, I'm not sure. Bye. Presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum. Me shit about it. I'm back. <laughs> Literally, we hadn't really just we had just started, so awesome. we hadn't read the first email yet. We had yeah, we hadn't. We wait, we wait, we waited, um, and then I went, "Oh shit! It's it's as long as we dare seven eighteen. We better start." Yeah, and, and I was literally walking in the door and turning on my computer when Clara messaged me. So okay, no, it worked out. It worked out just. I mean, you right in. So yeah, I cool. don't think two wives and two boggards should be on a podcast anymore. <laughs> hey, I think it's fun. a lot of shop talk. <laughs> I love it, but I think we, we, I was like, I was like, I don't like being attacked. <laughs> That's just your perception. We attack everybody equally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was this like, Claire, back me up here. <laughs> oh, sure. Wow. Bye, guys. Holy shit. Right, guys. Stay safe. What's wrong? You can buy Dogma on VHS tape, Blu-ray, and DVD. But you can't hey, stream it. I recommend one of those formats. Can I not get it on Betamax? Because I'm not buying it. Otherwise. They don't have Betamax. I think Betamax was gone before Dogma came out. You don't know what Betamax is because we're old. <laughs> no, I know what Betamax is. I don't know that I own a thing that will play any of the other things, though. No, probably not. You know what? Unless I take my finger and run it around the thing. That's for audio. But still. Right. Three or four years ago. I, I had a one of those big giant wallets of DVD or CDs in my car, and it would have been in the trunk of my car. And I pulled it out of the trunk of my car, and I had it sitting in the driver's seat. Allie gets in the car. I'm taking him to work or picking him up from work or, or school or something. And she opens the thing up. She's like, "What are these?" <laughs> oh no! That is when I realized. Thing in audio. Oh shit! No. Now I understand why CD sales oh. keep going down, down, down every year. Oh, that's why those we of us that remember them are dying. Oh, yeah. I mean, we can do it in ourselves. When's the last time any of you bought a CD? I mean, and use yourself as a as a, as a thermometer. I haven't even purchased an album. Like, I have a subscription to iTunes and Spotify that I pay yep. monthly, and yep. I can get any music I want. Right. What year did the wives go to uh, Bristol when I was in the band? Twenty fifteen. Uh, that was the last time I bought physical. I bought music uh, because I downloaded two songs from iTunes. I bought two CDs from a fair band in Texas in 2017. You know the dates, and those were the last things that you bought. I mean, and that's that's the point. And we're actually different than most users because we are musicians. We want to support other musicians, and, the, and in both those cases, it's the reason you bought the CDs. That's true. <clears throat> that's true. Is yeah, because I found um, the same band on Spotify later. <laughs> this is this may be a loaded question. I'm super sorry to ask it and uh, chuck a grenade in this, but is there a way we could like disinfect the recording studio and just like I mean we can maintain social distance in that studio? I feel I don't think we but, actually can. I don't think we can stay six feet apart right now. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, 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 I looked at a, I I looked at a stat was. about choirs. There's a, a, mm-hmm. the people singing in choirs and and how it spread. So even in an enclosed space where we are, if we're all just talking, that that will make a cloud of virus and stew will die. I, I yeah, I, I read had, a thing about super spreaders about how the 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 times when the most people have gotten infected has been inside. Yes. Oh yeah. I think absolutely. I dated her once. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Take care. <laughs> Oh, right. Damn, that was a mic. That was his mic drop. Okay, <laughs> that was very good. All right, thank you so much, Stu. Take care, Thanks, guys. Stu. Good seeing you. Bye. Bye. Stay safe.